0: If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters, spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Good morning, everyone.
1: This week, we continue our conversation with Paris Grayman, a talented teacher and entrepreneur. We begin where we left off last week hearing about Empower Creative Agency, Paris' consulting company that performs project management for creative endeavors. This leads to a dialogue around living with purpose, empowering aspiring entrepreneurs, and leaving things better than you found them. To close the episode, Paris asks a fascinating hypothetical question around identity that we explore and are still left curious. We hope you enjoy this episode of Discover More with us and Paris Grayman. Thank you.
2: So Empower Creative Agency is my more long-term goal of a business and it's actually why I started that LLC. I opened it before just be and just be was supposed to be a example project of what Empower could do. Hmm. So like there's this idea to have a kids book and then it turned into this its own business. Well, that's awesome to me like but it's me so I have to do it with more people outside of me to test it. But that's the idea is to help with project management for creative endeavors.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast
1: was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more.
0: Obviously, politics and religion are two tends to be taboo topics that don't necessarily yield like for full results because of the agreements and controversies and disagreements But I just want to say that because I am a person of faith and I am a Christian myself. Because I think if you look at the word Christian, if you look at the Latin root word, it just means follower of Jesus, like follower of Christ. So you're a Christian, but then it's follower of Christ, not follower of church or follower of religion. Because I think religion is inherently flawed because it's man-made. Even if you look at the genesis of Christianity, if you look at the Bible, the origins of it all, like Jesus actually condemned the church at his time because of the hypocrisy, because of the corrupt human nature. And when something is man-made, it's going. the infrastructure is going to be inherently designed by that person who designed the system in terms of your product design UX backgrounds. Um, so I never always agree with the religion aspect because I think it's a effective vehicle and container to preach some of the philosophies and teachings and principles. But I don't think it's the best one because of... The humans are inheriting a and all that. So I do want to distinguish that. Like, I do think religion has harbored many problematic practices uh, throughout the centuries. And, and I'm sure every. that's the reason why a lot of people are anti-religion. And obviously, if you look at the philosophy, the whole... Oh, the morality come first or the religion come first? The religion breed morality or the morality breed religion, like chicken or the egg issues, which we cannot discuss on this podcast in depth either because I just don't have that much understanding of that or my reading. But I just thought uh, it's interesting because when I look at you, uh, and the next question I want to ask about is your empowerment agencies, right? Because I think that's a very important aspect of your entrepreneurship and your identity. And when I look at your parents, and your own biochemical, I guess, dysfunctions or struggles that you deal with, with suicidal ideations and mental health struggles, all that aside, I think your parents created a very empowering condition to raise you in. Because you talked about, even though some conversations are very, very controversial or very uncomfortable for your dad to be specific, talk about, they were still willing to talk about those discussions with you in turn i think they subconsciously or intentionally created a very empowering curiosity in you they instilled that so effectively through years of nurturing that now you're able to have these conversations on a podcast and you're you have the the level of comfortability to talk about your suicidal ideations your suicidal thoughts your struggles so openly um, so graciously i think Uh, i know you talked about that You talking about this actually makes more people uncomfortable than makes yourself uncomfortable, which is pretty, I think, unique and extremely empowering. And I think that's like the backbone of what enables you to do just be books trying to empower kids and your next business project that you're part of empower agencies to empower other people to pursue or to come into fruition from like a blueprint of ideas. Uh, And I know you shared that briefly with us like a month ago during our call. I recall calling it the dream factory. I think you're manufacturing other people's dreams into realities, right? But I think all that is so intricately connected with your dad's way of raising you and your mom's way of raising you to cultivate curiosity, to talk about the uncomfortable things, to just have open dialogues. Uh, And obviously that caused your dad to stray away from the religion and I think you're, you're someone definitely very spiritual. I don't know if you identify yourself or label yourself agnostic or any of that, but I think all that is only possible because of the empowering environment you grew up in through your parents. So yeah, I just wanted to affirm that with you um, directly and also love for you to share about the empower agencies because I think we talked a lot about your upbringing so far uh, and obviously your curiosity aside, your context aside, what really shines to the light is your identity as a multi-potentialite, someone who is interested in multiple disciplinaries and a generous approach. And I think it would be really cool to, you know, pivot from the mental health aspect to talk about the vision, what it could be. And I'd love for you to, you know, to share what that vision is and the motivating purpose intention behind uh, such dream factory that you intend to share with the world, hopefully one day.
2: Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for affirming my parents and all of that. That's really cool. Like I, that's something that I found is uh, not normal necessarily for all family members because I talk with my family and I'm like, oh yeah, why was, I think why I'm able to keep going in some of my self search and internal self-empowerment is because my family's down to talk about stuff, and it's really awkward, and we cry a lot as a family, And uh, but it's really cool. Like it, I, I admire that about my parents, that they're down to hear when they made a mistake and try and make it right with us. And again, I know they're doing the best they can. That's all we will ever do. I'm actually afraid to have kids sometimes because I'm like, I don't want them to have to go through stuff. And I know it's a part of being a parent, a part of being a human, is that we can't help but create trauma together on accident like many things so that scares me but um i I really appreciate my parents i've never not felt loved by them which is really cool and not always normal so yeah i think my mom it's a they're a unique set too because in some ways they've um they're not very compatible with each other but in a lot of ways they they are and they make it work still like my mom is a go do it. You know, like when I wanted to go all the way to Philadelphia from San Diego to do school, my mom's like, go fly birdie type of vibes. She's like, go do it, expand. And my dad's like, why are you leaving us? You know, internally is like, oh, my baby, you can get more done here, you know, like, and you'll be with us. I can take care of you. Anyways, with the Empower Creative Agency, this is something I've noticed with a lot of people in my life, including myself, is that we all have Lovely, wonderful things inside of us that we want to do, but for some reason we're not doing them. And it might be a lack of, uh, I think, empowerment and confidence and maybe some practical know-hows. However, that we have the internet, I feel like you can do anything you want to do. It's actually not that hard to open up an LLC. It's just scary because you've never, if you've never done it, it's just scary, you know? And you don't want to do it wrong. So I think there is a, a beauty in having some hand holding through initial stages until I like this saying, they empower you to empower themselves.
0: Hmm. Where it's like, if
2: I'm empowering you to empower you. Mm-hmm. for you to empower internally. So it's like helping helping build more intrinsic motivation for people and confidence internally. So Empower Creative Agency is my more long-term goal of a business. And it's actually why I started that LLC. I opened it before Just Be. And Just Be was supposed to be an example project of what Empower could do. Mm. So like, there's this idea to have a kid's book. And then it turned into this its own business. Well, that's awesome to me, Like, but it's me, so I have to deal with more people outside of me to test it. But that's the idea is to help with project management for creative endeavors, whether that be a children's book, maybe it's someone who has a script for a documentary, but they just never did it, or they have the first two chapters of a book and they have the rest inside them, but they just haven't done it for some reason. Um, so that's, I've actually found, I have all my old customer personas I did, like I've done the entrepreneurship basic work for it all, and it's cool because the first woman that I worked with, my mom actually helped with this, um, is one of her friends. We tried the project management stuff with her and we did it for free. She was willing to work with us. She's a speech therapist who had an idea to open up her own practice and she worked at a school. We had a coffee shop talk with her. This was totally pre pandemic. It was a couple of years ago now. And we were in person and she talked with me and I was drawing and like making stuff while she was talking, making little notes and diagrams. And I was like, okay. So she told me her dreams and then uh, or like what her goal was with her business opening herself and I was like, to me, it sounds like you have two tracks that you might go on. It's a service track or a product track. This is what it would look like if you're making this thing, or this is what it would look like to this. Did either of those sound it? She was just like seeing the lights go off in her eyes like, wow, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. But so much better (laughs) and I was like yes she was exactly what my customer persona was she was between 35 and I think what I have is 35 and 55 years old she's um, a full-time worker who has ideas and has like the basics of projects just hasn't done them yet or put it into action and a couple more things like she doesn't have confidence some of the psychographics that you'd find you know she doesn't have confidence for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, She does this, blah, blah. She's basically almost ready to go, but just needs the last bit of project management, cheerleading, hand-holding to get it done. And so we worked with her for a couple months. My mom and I did the calls together. We'd have about once a week or every two weeks, I mean, two to four times a month. We do like an hour call to check in project management, see what are your goals? How does this align? You know, what steps, steps do you need next? How can we help you? How can you do it? We did it for free. To get her going, she ended up making an LLC, she got her stuff going, and it's like, when I went back to San Diego for one of the breaks, because I when I was in college, I'd go home once during the summer and once during um, the winter break. And we all had uh, champagne together as like a little toast to her doing it. And it was so exciting, you know, and and to see her feel so good. And then I even said, okay, here's how like you could use LinkedIn. And I drafted up three different blog posts for her. I don't know if she did it <laughs> or not, but it's like, that's the kind of stuff I love doing. Is like, let's get your shit rolling. Let's do it. Like, I see that you have it. Let's get it out and make you feel empowered. So that's like, You can do it you know it's like we all have so much stuff but you just need that little kick to feel like you can hurdle i don't know yourself (laughs) and keep doing it but that's exciting me so i've worked now with a couple people one woman i'm working with more consistently and we're making a she's a salesperson, and so we're making a sales training program with her so we've done the script we've decided the video online platform she's using and this she's already a businesswoman but this is a project she just hasn't finished like she just hasn't done it so it's like okay this is also doing the time for her to set aside for herself so we've only worked eight hours in the span of probably like three months so it's only one working day but we've gotten pretty far so it's it's cool the long-term goal for this I have a couple different ideas for it I would love to do this full-time to do project management calls and I want to get my um, PMP certification the project management so that i'm like actually doing it like i am doing it fine but i want to make sure i'm actually serving clients efficiently and effectively i want to make a publishing house media producing house um i have also like i said over 100 songs so some of it's for me honestly like knowing how i operate and how my sister is like this my dad in some ways has he's an inventor brain but he's busy he works you know and he invents some stuff but it's like for that kind of personality that i found growing up internally Is like I have all these ideas. I've started so many projects. I just haven't finished them, and there's a couple different reasons why, you know, psychographics, uh, practical stuff, etc. But I also want to do. I'm actually putting this into place right now: a Shopify website for different people to test out their product ideas, and then I'll, I'll do the front costs, and then I get some of the percentage of sales as like the fee. And that idea comes from we do that with our high schoolers at the entrepreneurship program I'm helping run so we do that there I'm gonna partner with the school to actually make that happen and then give back some of the proceeds some of the percentage of sales back into the program and then I also am right now looking for public school in Philadelphia to also donate to because we I mean we don't need more money at this school like private school like we obviously funds are good but I want to make sure that we have continue our resources but also give back more resources to people that aren't in private schools So anyways, that's my way of doing social impact among this business. I have a couple other ideas with this business. Like the school I'm working at, we're gonna do an online 10-week workshop series called Empowered Entrepreneur. And it's to have it laid out. It's like takes you from um, idea stage to prototype stage. And then the minimum promise, I guess I should say, is that by the end of the 10 weeks, you should feel comfortable of a roadmap and maybe you have a prototype. But at maximum after the 10 weeks, maybe you're ready to launch your business and talk to a funding person. So I'm not promising a ton, but it's just like getting you in the practice. And that one I'm launching with the school in a couple months, probably. So that that'll be fun. And that again, like, I'm a lucky duck. I work at such a cool school that is supporting me and like letting me partner with them to do this kind of stuff. Side note, I, I had said, you can talk to almost anyone if you have a reason to talk to them. You can also ask almost anyone anything. And this is something my mom told me. It's a classic one. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. So I ask a lot and I talk a lot about what my goals are in ways that it's not like I'm not demanding people help me, but I'm just like, hey, this is what I do. And I also give back a lot, you know, so I do a lot for other people. So I don't feel I just talk a lot about what I want to do and people are able to help. And I'm able to help when people tell me what they're trying to do. So it's, it's a good symbiosis, but for any listeners, reach out to who you want to reach out to. They'll probably help you and also keep asking and talking about what your goals are because people have resources and they're down to give it to you. They just have to know how to help. So talk about what you're doing. Uh, but yeah, that's my goal. I see it as, as a cool place to help people make their products at small levels so they can be proud of themselves and, you know, like have a safety net of entrepreneurship and, I love connecting things to people and people to things and so it's like I I have a cool network right now and I I imagine it's just going to keep growing and then that lets me give back and connect more people and things (laughs) to make stuff happen and make things.
1: (laughs) Very much so. I appreciate you sharing there's definitely a lot of amazing stuff that I kind of want to unpack a little bit because from my perspective it's I think super important to kind of have both sides of it, right? You have the realism side of the practical project management, but the, I guess, hand holding empowerment side, as you kind of called it, where really, because I think a lot of times we get in the way of our best ideas, right? What did you describe them as? The- oh,
2: psychographics? Psychographics, yeah. Yeah, that's this- a marketing term.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the psychographics of the entrepreneur at the end of the day generally get in the way. I think... As I started my coaching business two months ago, like I'm realizing that my own stuff is the main thing getting in the way of actually doing that. I think that's representative of any entrepreneurial journey. It's really like an internal journey a lot of ways. So the fact that you are kind of crossing both of those bridges at one time through this agency, I think is super powerful. One thing that I've been exploring a lot about is kind of the idea of following your purpose and like creating a purpose is often a cure for, not to say a cure, but helps with mental health problems. There's a therapist slash thought leader that I've been exploring a lot named Mastin Kipp and his whole idea is that purpose is ultimately the thing that lights us up or like is the fuel to get through when things are difficult. So have you noticed empowering other people that you've worked with? Just the connection of purpose and enjoyment, I suppose, because. We alluded to it when we started talking before the call. Ben and I haven't actually recorded a podcast in over a month, and I think we can both confirm that the past month has been one of the most challenging for us that we've had this year. It kind of slips through the cracks sometimes, but just as it's important to, say, not go on a cocaine bender or not drink (laughs) hundreds of beers the night before an exam, it's equally important to do the correct things. You know, like, the negatives everyone knows are negatives, but I think also important to, like, follow your purpose, empower yourself around those creative outlets. So, you know, what have you seen in your work with clients or even yourself when you're working on projects that really light you up or really creating? How does that kind of impact the less tangible or less physical attributes? Like, are people feeling better? Do people change their lives around because they have this newfound purpose to work towards?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I've always been interested in Dr. Franco, Victor Frankel, mm-hmm. and his mm-hmm. logotherapy, which I think is a similar idea to the, I hadn't heard of the guy you brought up. Um, what was his name?
1: Mastin Kip.
2: Mastin Kip. Yeah. I think it's like a similar idea, it sounds like, of purpose-driven. And I remember one of my favorite books is Man's Search for Meaning, and I had to read it in 11th or 12th grade and I loved it, and that teacher talked about existentialism. She had us read that book, and it helped me a lot, because as a teenager, I was dealing, struggling with purpose, and suicidal thoughts, and existential stuff, and all that, which is a good reminder. I'm teaching teenagers right now, so I should, (laughs) I'm noting that in my brain to make sure that I, I I try to take care of them in those ways too, like, bring those resources, because I, and I talk about that with them, that I dealt with that kind of stuff. If you want, I'm an adult that can share stuff with you, obviously talk to a therapist too, but, like, Nobody talked with me, so I'm here if you need chalk, talk. Anyways, the purpose stuff, I totally vibe with that. Because again, I think if we are, if we don't feel like there's a clear track forward or we don't have information and we are bogged down and lost feeling, we don't function and then we feel crappy and we can't function in our society, and it breeds more of itself of feeling bad. So it's like, for sure, I think if we feel clarity and then purpose, it gives us a way to function. And like, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you know, my business is the only thing that helps me wake up in the morning or my kids are the only thing that helps me wake up in the morning. It's like, I think um, there's something in that where it's like, um, I mean, bringing in religion and, and spirituality, again, it depends on what you think your purpose is. Sometimes people, it's like tied to that. Sometimes it's like, Say I think purpose is totally what, what we come back to and what we can ground ourselves in, in that, like, I feel lost, but okay, I'm going to go back to my why and my purpose, and for me, I think it is to help empower people is part of my purpose, and so that's why how I can help and how I can feel like I have something worthy. If I do nothing in my life, then it's the same as if I wasn't here, and that doesn't really feed into the suicidal stuff well, but that's how it fed into it, too is that um, I felt like I had to do something. The idea of like one to one, my life has to at least match itself of my input and my output. So I'm taking in this many resources as a human, I have to at least output that much back. And that's something I felt since I was a teenager and how I describe that is probably more eloquent now. And in 20 years, it's gonna be even more fancy. I don't know, but like, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to describe that as a teenager. And that's part of what was frustrating to me, but I, I've gone to therapy, like it's helped me kind of figure out what my little beliefs are in my head. um, So I can work on them. Something else, my grandpa on my dad's side, he had this phrase and he used it while we were kids. Um, We borrowed their van, I think my parents, like we borrowed it and my dad, we were all cleaning it up and vacuuming it. My dad said like his dad taught him when you borrow something, you give it back better than you found it. And so it's like that's something a lot of people talk about. In terms of the earth and taking care of it, and that's something that I also heard as a kid, I'm here. And I think that's also why I get annoyed because it's like, I don't know if I asked to be here or not. Hmm. Like reincarnation and some spiritual beliefs would say that I did ask to be here. I purposely chose my family. I purposely did all this because I have to do something. And the therapist I've been seeing most recent said, Paris, you came into this life with a to-do list. Uh, you already had it like it's clear and good that in your 20s you know now what that to-do list is but slow down you have more time and I think that's something I'm still learning as a young person it's a classic thing for I think in your 20s is realizing that oh wait I still do have this time to get it done I can slow down and enjoy at the same time but all that to be said is like I think I get frustrated because I don't know if I asked to be here And it's just a belief I can sometimes I choose to believe that I asked to be here and I choose to believe I do have a purpose when I'm feeling bad, you know, it's like something I can hang my hat on um, when I'm depressed and like, well, I have to be here, but I, um, I get annoyed that I have to, I feel like I have to give something back. But at the same time I do, I've always been a helper. Like that's part of, I've been a people pleaser. It's part of who I am and what I do. I think that's something where our purpose does help us come back home to ourselves when we're confused and lost.
1: Definitely. There's one saying that really speaks to a lot of the things that you're talking about, and it's the only way out is through, right? And as much as you want to have this publishing company, creative agency and book company, like that's often the distance kind of thing. And the only way to get there is through all of the frustrations of everyday life. I mean, as like, not to say an impatient person myself, but kind of like, I like, To see the ball rolling, I like things moving ahead, like just that constant momentum and growth is something that I value. So I do find myself in impatient tendencies with like the macro of, you know, how life is going in general, you know what I mean? And I think reminding myself of the only way out is through, like you need to have those rainy seasons, like, to enjoy the more beneficial ones and often the lessons do c- come from those downtimes, but kind of that constant reminder that you have to go through them to have those beneficial ones. So I always try and just remind myself to have patience kind of for the long term. And then the other thing that you mentioned that I really want to, I guess, highlight for the audience is leaving things better than you found it. I think that obviously can go to the macro perspective of wanting to Create something that has, I guess, as you alluded to, resources more so than what you had taken up, I guess, from a human perspective, but also on the micro of filling someone's gas tank up after you borrow their car. Or personally, when I go hiking, I try and pick up one piece of trash and leave no trash. Just like that small taking care of wherever you go, leaving things better than you found it, I think is just kind of like a small piece of advice or reframe that applies to so many different things. It's like, the shopping cart dilemma or the shopping cart situation whenever you're at a grocery store, if everyone just left things a little better, put them back, like that's kind of the ultimate test of humanity, you know? There's no real repercussions of leaving it on the other side of the parking lot, but if everyone just put it right back, it's leaving things better than they found it, or at least at the baseline as they found it. And I think that kind of speaks to a number of things. If everyone took that ethos of that idea that you alluded to on the large scale, and boiled it down, I think there's a lot to unpack there.
2: Yeah, I remember I had a couple conversations with my dad as a teenager where I was really frustrated. And I did talk with him a bit about the suicidal stuff. Like, I did talk with my parents about it a bit, but um, not as much as I could have. Sorry, there's a dog in the background. He, I remember talking with him about it, and I was pretty frustrated that I felt that way of having to have so much help back into the world or it's not worth it to be here like it was almost like um, not respecting myself and going back to that idea at the beginning of your worth isn't in what you produce it's that you're here the worth is in being just being (laughs) Um, which i i'm still working towards i don't have that handled yet in the in the right way that i'd like to but yeah i remember talking to my dad and he said he felt the same way as a as a teenager because he felt it on a religious standpoint like he had to save everyone into christianity and that kind of stuff and that was the weight that he had as a young religious person then he realized he said it's in the micro of like he said i can help one of my friends and that's enough i don't have to save everyone you know and at the time i i understand that now and in a different way but at the time i was like you don't get it like I was like no that's not what it is and it was just that I, I was still that didn't help in helping my underlying suicidal thoughts and that's why I was frustrated with that and then there was some talk to like him and I have talked about this he would say oh it's called the ideals of youth and that phrase annoys me <laughs> because it's you can't get out of it if the ideals of youth if an older person tells you that you are always the youth and it's always ideal. So that I have some thoughts around our dynamics and that kind of stuff of how they can be used well and used not so well and that kind of thing. But yeah, that was something where it's like a, an ideal of youth to save the world. And, you know, at that time too. But I think for me it was always an existential weight of I'm not worth it unless I save something or I'm not worth it unless I give back. I'm not worth it unless I at least have my existence times two. If I have my existence times my one, it's an even wash in terms of existential usage of energy. (laughs) I do have one thing, too, with um, one of my good friends, Kai, she had this was a year or two ago. She had told me because of how open you've been with your mental health journey, it helped me to go to therapy. And she told me that in the car. And it was like, I still go back to that when I'm feeling down sometimes and feeling existential and stuff. I'm like, no, 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 I've done it that's that's all that I, I would want is one friend getting help for themselves It's awesome and that's like the rest this is a phrase from one of my friends ex-boyfriends <laughs> the rest is extra <laughs> I like that a lot it's like okay I've done I've done my one-to-one of ex- existence the rest is extra I come back to that a lot which is helpful
0: yeah thanks for sharing and I think the latter half of our conversation is very mental health driven and I think it's extremely important. And I do also want to echo additional things that's discussed about purpose. I think a good analogy that came to my mind as we're discussing this is having a purpose is like having a more driven, focused life, right? And it's like driving in the night. Living with your purpose centered is like driving with your headlights on. You know, there's still going to be curvy roads, there's still going to be road kills and different hurdles. But you at least have a clearer understanding and a better navigation system and purpose is the headlight and some people do live without a purpose or with a purpose unidentified and so it's like driving with your headlights off at night it's not that you can't drive it it's still drivable you're still driving fine and you're still going to encounter the same shit life throws at you with the lights on or off but at least you're driving with the headlights on and i think that's why it's important to identify your why your purpose your driving force so that you are going through the inevitable sufferings as stoicism teaches us but that you have a better navigations uh, approach to it so it's a little bit more productive or simply put easier for you and i don't want to touch upon the metaphysical aspect of why were you born did you choose to be born um, i down uh yeah i'll have to talk about it but i'm not going to be able to provide any like constructive insight uh, but the way i do personally view it is like in terms of a very physical level, uh, all offsprings as kids, we never had a say. Like we didn't choose to be born, right? Our parents, some situations had a very well intentioned motivation behind procreation. Whether it's like, oh, procreation is a purpose given by God, or I just want to have kids to raise them to be awesome human beings. They're all well intentions, and we're simply the byproduct of that well intention. But I don't think a kid's ever had a say to be born. Like it's not a free will decision that was bestowed upon us. We just we were born. But obviously, if you want to like experiment with the metaphysical aspect of oh, is this so? Is it not true? We can also discuss that. Uh, it's also my personality driven. I'm very good at choosing or opting to devote my mental energy in certain aspects. So, for example, uh, I shared off the mic that i experienced a actual existential crisis for like a day once i found out during this pandemic that the ufos were sighted and they were confirmed by the department of defense the u.s government obviously no aliens or anything like that but the fact that the ufos were confirmed by the government shook me a little bit because i am a person of religion and i'm very type a so i thrive with knowing or with having some sort of influence, but something gravity or the magnitude of UFOs is just so far behind my intellectual comprehensions. And there's nothing I could do ever to influence or to do anything about the UFOs, period, right? Like they're real, they're not, I don't know. But if they show up, they show up. There's nothing I could influence that. So after that day with my personality trait, I chose simply not to develop more mental energy towards that area of UFOs. Like now I'm just in an acceptance page, okay, well, the government admitted UFO exists. That's it. I'm not intentionally devoting more energy to think about that area because I know that it's not going to service me. I know it's going to be unproductive mental energy spent. Like if there is an answer at the end of the tunnel, I will do so, but there isn't for me, so I'm choosing not to. So in a way, I'm choosing intentionally to opt out of a potential muddy water in terms of my mental health. You know, and that's, I think that's a privilege so that I am not ridden with like mental health disorders or struggles, and I actually have this choice to opt out of that. But I thought that was pretty relevant. I wanted to uh, share that. And because I think to you, it sounds like with your youthful influence, and I don't think ideals of youth is the best way to describe it. I like to, it's more like the innocence of youth because yes, it is ideals, but I think a lot of adults... Need that innocence because I'm very cynical and I'm taking a pivot from my policy realm that I worked for the past four years towards mental health. Is because I, in a way, I took an L. I, I accepted the fact that I don't want to sacrifice my soul to be part of the impact making through policy. And that's like the sacrifice or that's like the decision I've come to peace with. And rather, I'm choosing to opt into a more micro but more tangible impact through my mental health work. And I know you talked about the idea of being net positive, human, daunts you a lot, right? And you're burdened by that thought. But I do wanna say that, like being net positive, I also subscribe to that idea. I, I do think humans should be net positive to this world. Otherwise, the purpose is wasted. I do share that ideology as well. Uh, but I think net positive doesn't always have to be this grandiose or grand scale, which is what I was striving for through my policy work. But now i took that out i got super cynical now i'm pivoting to the more micro net positive and i'm okay with that all that is to say that i think it's important for the listeners to contemplate or just to reflect and be introspective about their purpose and why they do what they do once a while because i think that will effectively instill some sort of a guidance or concreteness into their lives so with all that being said one of the topics that you say you're very interested in called how do we get here game And can you tell us more about how did we get here and some of the thought process that occurred during this routine slash game that you play uh, by yourself?
2: Yes. Okay. So the how did we get here game, I didn't realize until just now and talking about it. It's an internal conversation game, not necessarily how did we get here on earth. However, those things combined would blow my mind. (laughs) Um, But, okay, the how did we get here game, I think I actually, I've been talking about my parents a lot in this. But, yeah, they, I think my dad actually encouraged me to start this game in my head without realizing it or meaning to, I guess, maybe. You know how it's like that? I think we all do that with friends and that's like, how did we get here? Like, you're just in a random tangent in the conversation and then it's like most people don't take the time to actually walk it back and see how you got here but that's one of the like I do that all the time in my head because I get on really weird tangents and as a kid I would like my friends would be talking about something and I'd make a joke and they wouldn't laugh I'd explain to them what the joke was and they're like oh Paris it's not very funny if you have to explain it (laughs) and then I'd be like oh And so, like, in my head, I was like, I'm funny, you know, like, da-na-na. But it's because I went too far out in the brain, like, in the thought process and made the joke too far away from the main topic. But it's like my brains went out, if that makes sense. Like, um, it it went out a few topics. Okay. But then I'd make the joke out there versus in internal where everyone was at. And that's why it wasn't funny. So I played that game a lot because I had to, and I think, in order to – stay with the conversation with my peers (laughs) so i'd like veer off and then i still catch myself doing that sometimes like i'll say something random and then like it's nice the partner i'm with right now like him and i both think very similarly so we can kind of do that and then like we just say random stuff and we're both on the train together on that thought process but i have to watch myself because i'll be talking with people and then all of a sudden i say something that's out of left field And then I have to, in my head, I'm like, okay, to learn about this, how did I get here? like, da-da-da-da-da, walk it back. And so I learn about, I, like, actively take steps to see what my brain patterns are. And it's really fun. But, you know, I didn't expect this to happen. But as now, like, a growing adult, I think it helps me be a better communicator. Because if I'm with people and they, like, talking with someone and they say something out of left field, really quickly, I can be like in my brain think out how did this happen and and then I get there with them really fast because I've done Hmm. it so much in my head like I just I see how to get to places fast and I think that's a really weird accidental empathy tool that I built as a kid to learn how to be a better communicator because I wasn't very good at it (laughs) so that's something I think also helps me with entrepreneurship and ideation and also with mental health because I get where people are at I think I have fun with it because my dad had fun with it. Like when we were kids, he'd be like, oh, how did we get here? And he actually took the time to walk it back. And we'd out loud as a group say how we got here and figure it out and laugh about it, you know. But I do that all the time too. Like I still do it out loud and I take the time to do it. But mostly in my head, I take the time to do it. I just think it's a fun thing for anybody that's listening as a practical thing you can do in your head that's fun, at least I think it's fun, Um, and also could help be a communication tool, like an accidental communication tool. I mean, we were talking about that kind of stuff. We were also talking about university things on our little list of questions beforehand. I think there's an interesting connection of, like, I've been thinking about this. I, I like AI. I've been thinking about that kind of stuff, too, and how... How as we learn more about our brains and how our thought patterns work, how we can make better tools and enhance that stuff. Um, So, I mean, there's a few directions my brain's going to of AI and also just like we wanted to talk about university things. And like I took this cool class about philosophy in the universe and the teacher, he was one of the coolest teachers because he was so excited about everything. And he brought up some ideas about identity and how they play a part of our universe And all of that, which I have, I mean, does any of that sound like you guys would want to go on any of those rabbit holes?
1: (laughs) Very much. I have a few questions, but I mean, the latter to me sparked the most interest of how our identities play into the universe itself, because I think that introduces a lot of the existential ideas that we've talked about throughout of... Both the idea of being so small in such a large universe, but then also the empowerment of being able to bring larger ideas into, into life. So yeah. what was you know the details around that, some of the big ideas he brought between identity, something that's as small as we are, but then also universe as big as we can know it?
2: Some of the stuff. So we were talking about different opportun- or different patterns of how our universe could operate moving forward through time. And um, some of them are that we are linear. We start right now and we're experiencing time. And we move forward and things happen. Um, there's also some that's like branch theory or something like that, where it's like right now we decided to stop the conversation and stop the interview right now. And then we all did our own things and that was one branch of reality. But in this other branch of reality, we decided to continue this and we kept on here on this call. And then so it's like those are two different branches of reality based on one decision. So that times a million, right? One of the questions what he brought up is if that is the case, like a branch-type universe, through time, like moving forward through time, every decision moves you forward to a different branch, is it different yous that are there existing at the same time?
0: Like different you exist simultaneously across the timeline with the branch theory? Because we're...
1: Perpetually changing in real time with our experiences, whether that be how experiences impact the way we think or how they impact our epigenetics, I would say, yes, the different branches do represent different people. Like there's the old, old verbiage of no man walks in the same river twice. Right, because he's always a different man walking through that specific river. Hmm. Um, Like there's always something experientially different of that experience. That's how I would answer that question. It's all speculation at the end of the day. What would you guys kind of?
2: I mean, there is more. So he told us different theories of time and showed us the different people that created these different theories of time. Some of it's that time is irrelevant. We're just experiencing it. We also went into if uh, action and reaction, do you need time to fulfill that? Like you can't have an action and reaction without time. So there's some like interesting things where it's like, because we have physical objects that had to be made and that move through time. Like I pick up this bowl and move it over here. I couldn't do that without time. So it's like interesting, but is that just my experience of it? And then, so there's all this interesting things that we covered in that class. And he taught this really beautifully. Like the sequence of his class was awesome. Also, he went into identity and then he started talking about things. There were some paradoxes of time too, like the whole killing your grandpa paradox. If you went back in time to kill your grandpa, you wouldn't have been there to go back in time to kill your grandpa. It's a paradox, it can't happen. It's impossible if you went back in time to kill your grandpa, then that string moving forward, you wouldn't be there and so therefore you couldn't go back in time to kill your grandpa. So it's just impossible. It's a paradox. Unless you have different realities or different theories of time, then if you had a branch-type theory, if you like went back in time and now you created a different branch because you went back in time, and then that now has to be a different you going forward and a different you going forward. So you can't have those exist, those two narratives exist at the same time in one timeline. It has to create a different timeline. And that would mean then you would have to have a branch theory. Well, then, is it different people or just versions of you? Are they all the same person? Then it leads you to questions like, who are you and what makes you you? What is a person? What is identity? Uh, Is it a shared consciousness? Or is it different people? Is it the same DNA? Like, he asked all these things. And that leads into a fascinating discussion. I think it's fascinating. A discussion of identity. And he brought up this cool riddle, puzzle, whatever, that I can share with you guys. It's the idea and I'll get it slightly different than how he said it but this is my interpretation of it. I'll use you guys as an example since the names will be easy then. Say you guys you both go down the street and you both get hit by a car. It's like pretty violent so bear with me. Warning. (laughs) Okay Aiden the car hits your body and makes you physically disabled but your brain didn't get hit. It's fine functioning okay and you're at the hospital and they're doing surgery on you, Uh, Benoit. you get hit in the head and you have brain damage, but your body works fine. So um, that's like a difference there. And then you both are at the same hospital, there's an experimental doctor who's doing unethical experiments. And he's like, well, now that I have these two, this is really weird, but (laughs) he's like, now that I have these two bodies, I want to use the bodies together and make one person so that I can save this person's brain, I can save this person's body and make this one person. And so he takes, um, remember, Aiden, you were paralyzed from the neck down, but your brain works fine. Benoit, you had neuro damage, but your body works. Okay, so he fuses Aiden, your head, onto Benoit, your body, uh, and now you are one person. So (laughs) the question then becomes, now he gets in trouble, right, because that was a, a weird, unethical thing. He didn't have permission to do that, all that jazz. You guys are in the court, and you have to see who is who. So I'll keep asking you a series of questions, but just what are your initial thoughts? Are you Aiden? Are you Benoit? What are you? Who are you?
1: So my initial thought would be Ben, because this is all coming from like a very recent rabbit hole, not rabbit hole, but thing that I heard. And it's basically that people's hearts are the thing that ultimately dictates their consciousness or spirit. I think it was an interview with Dr. Joe Dispenza, but he referenced a study where they actually studied transplanted hearts and it came in from one the doni who had passed into a lady who needed a heart but a lot of the ideas and experiences from that past person were brought into the new person's ideology i wish i could lead back to a specific example of what they heard but Based on this new idea that I've heard, the heart is ultimately our creator or our source of feelings and experiences. With whatever level people want to subscribe to, I think it's just a objectively speculative question to face, but my personal view is that the heart is ultimately at the center of who we are as people, and that's what would dictate whose identity it would be.
0: Ben, thoughts? Uh... I don't even have any thoughts. <laughs> I do want to, obviously on a funny note, I do want to specify and tell the listeners that all three of us are sober. Uh, These <laughs> discussions are not being discussed through any sort of influence. Uh, I think intellectually, aside from Aiden's new idea, I think intellectually what's telling me is since brain and the neurocenter is where the behaviors and the language and like our brain is what distinguishes humans from the animals, I think, right? Because without brain, there's no capacity for language, which is what separated us from a homo sapien evolution pattern. And there's a lot of literature suggests that because I know your brain enters weird places. And let me show you how my brain operates. Sometimes is that when I see a dog, they are capable of hearing the slightest noise and sounds from miles away. Like my sister has a dog and whenever they're over to my apartment on the weekends everything is perfectly quiet I don't hear a single sound and then the dog Winnie will start barking because he heard a noise Like two floors down from us who just entered the building And yet they are also be able to fall asleep in a very noisy apartment with the tv being at 45 volumes And like so how can an animal like dog have hypersensitive hearing that could pick up sounds from miles away But also they can content and shut down some of the functions when they don't need to be. Like how can they be content and peaceful and not seemingly anxious in a very loud movie environment? And then the literature that I read suggests that Homo sapiens also used to have similar capacities. Like we're capable of hearing from very far away. We're capable of seeing from very far away. We have almost animal instinctive instincts that could save us from the harm like the sixth sense that needs to be cultivated through presence and meditation and what whatnot those are inherent and innate capacity that humans are born with with evolution but we gave that up when we acquired language because the ability to converse socially with other human beings are so like so important and so massive that the human brains had to take a conscious sacrifice for you know Darwinism or survive the fittest so I think what that tells me is that Oh, human brain is what truly makes us human, not just animal. So I think in that intellectual sense, I think it would be Aiden because it's his brain that's operating, that's dictating what languages he speaks or what words he's choosing to talk about, what sentences he wants to formulate before the words are being said. And it's just my physical function, body, like a meat suit that he is operating upon. So I would think it's Aiden that's alive and I'm dead on that intellectual leveling, but obviously Aiden's idea also makes kind of sense. I think um, they do also argue that heart is where the origins of the feelings and all those instincts are coming from, so.
2: But wait, there's more. <laughs> 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 You're at the courthouse. <laughs> not, <laughs> not to negate all of that amazing stuff you just said, which I have like so many more questions. If you guys, uh, something I'll, I'll send you later and I actually want to watch it again, what will humans look like in a hundred years is an awesome TED talk. This guy talks about input and output systems of your head being an input, your body being an output. And if those things are transfused, I mean, I spent however long I've been alive, you guys, however long you've been alive, all that time making neuropathways and making connections of, if I do this with my brain, whatever it is, I move my hand. You know, so it's like, if you put that brain on a different body, you have to re, do you have to relearn those new things? I don't know. But that's something too, where even our motor functions are connected to things we've built over time internally you know and they probably look the same for most people I'm sure though so who knows but wait there's more (laughs) there's more to this puzzle so you guys are at the courthouse right and this is all from this like awesome teacher I'm not taking credit for this and I don't know if he came up with this or he heard it from somewhere we could probably find out later but this is not my theory so you're at the courthouse and your families walk up to you to this new body, this new person, this thing, and you have little kids and a a wife or a partner whatever, which family is this man, her father and husband to?
0: Well, it's Aiden's face. Yeah. Also, it would be interracial. (laughs) (laughs) I would say
1: both, probably. I mean, like there's pieces of both there.
2: So is it in um, Ben, your eyes, is it the face that makes a person then?
0: In terms of facial recognition aspect, yeah, it's Aiden's face. I mean, literally, it's his face and his head, and the neck down is mine. (laughs) Um, First, I said, as a joking said, it's interracial, so that would be interesting because it's my Asian family with Aiden's white family. So, are they more receptive towards my Asian body or versus his white head? You know. I don't
2: know. You tell me.
0: But I think in terms of if he was a husband and he had a wife, I'm sure. My wife wouldn't be okay with kissing another man's head, which is Aiden's head. But Aiden's wife would be more receptive towards his face and my body because it's his face. So I think there's more level of familiarity that they're accustomed to versus my family who just have my body too. But you can't really see my body when, when I'm clothed anyway. So I think his face would be the most distinct feature that they're receptive towards.
2: But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> you had... Okay, so say that in this hearing, everybody's figuring out who this person is, right? Now you're at the courthouse figuring this out um, because this doctor had this big scandal and did this and now you're trying to figure out how to operate forward from this. Ben had past records and the police brought his fingerprints in.
0: Is it my crime or does... I feel like the whole premise of this whole conversation is just weird because i'm thinking like (laughs) (laughs) because now i'm thinking is my consciousness still even there because my brain was dead and then his head is on my head so if there is no consciousness of benoit exists anymore then i'd argue the entire existence of this frankenstein meat suit is now aden's right because i'm not even there to retaliate against his belief system because assumingly my consciousness died along with a transplant on my head. But if that's not the case, then obviously the answer would also be different. But I mean, it's my fingerprint, but he's a different person.
1: If the fingerprints match, like I feel like I might inherit your crimes from a police perspective, but I do agree with you on you almost wouldn't be a person at that point. So your crimes should...
0: Cease to exist. Yeah, cease to exist. Because I died, right? My brain died. So this Benoit Kim person died. So all the... like. I'm sure statute of Limitation applies to when the person of the crime committed who died, the crime cannot be inherited by anyone else. I mean, this is an Old Testament that we live in anymore, so... It's like the son has to pay for the crime of the father, but I feel like that's a moral law the Supreme Court doesn't have, hasn't established yet. Yeah. I know.
2: When I was thinking about it, I was also like, well, would there be... Would you guys be a new person, a third person? Because you're this new thing, but then who are you married to? also like would you have your memory i don't know if you didn't have your memory hmm. then what
1: like if there were memories on either side if we had like one side of the memories
2: or no nobody had their memory like in the transplant you were knocked out and you have amnesia
1: so we would who be are? discover more llc in human <laughs> <Yeah>. form
2: <laughs> i suppose uh, yeah i don't know i mean that's it's just an interesting question that it's like who are you married to do you do both of the families then just kind of say this is a loss my Aiden's face is running around but he doesn't know who I am and my kids don't have a father anymore does that happen on both sides in Benoit that happens with your family and then it's like are you a third person just have to live your life again but then another question that got brought up is uh if you gain your memory back (laughs) then who are you (laughs) so I mean just all this to say it's a fascinating question of who are you and what are you and I really uh hats off to this teacher who is like having all of us think about those things and that brings up a fascinating point i thought about a lot in terms of where we're going society ai technology if we're going towards an exponential growth of all of that too are our laws caught up to our technological abilities Mm -hmm. in terms of speed in terms of I mean, if you have a law that has a lot of possibility for loopholes, then you have a law with a lot of possibilities with loopholes. That's not awesome either in terms of if you can uh, work around it or let it be open enough to make claims later. If, uh, for like example, Facebook g- has gone through a lot in the past couple years of laws, but they're doing some of the first stuff that we'd ever seen. When 3D printing also is becoming a new thing, there's always the good side of innovation and the dark side of innovation. And as uh, this one guy that I interviewed for a podcast I was doing a while back, his name's Mike. He was saying there's always a Wild West period in innovation and new products and and new technologies because people have to test it out to find where our ethical line is as a humanity and society. So, um, yeah, in that case, like um, 3D printing, I think there was an issue where some kid was printing a a gun.
0: Firearms, yeah
2: firearms and so it's like we would never have maybe assumed that would happen but then you have this new technology and ethics so back to a different conversation perhaps from earlier from hours ago we're about to be in a world where we could build almost anything but the question is should we i think that's a fascinating question
1: what drives those types of questions and that almost ties into the one I'm not asking to answer this one because I think it's a bit of a speculative answer but I think it ties in beautifully with the is truth created or found is these ethics something that we create based on the necessities of moving forward or is it something that's found or you know continuously discovered based on like what's right and what we need there's definitely a lot there so kind of both the you know ethics side of it what drives a lot of those ethics, is that something that comes off of history, things that we've learned previously, and a speculation for the future, and then if it's even possible to tie in the truth idea there too. But I think, I feel like they go hand in hand a lot, or at least for me, ethics and truth kind of are standby side by side. Truth, for me, is very ethical, and tying those two things together, I think, is a speculation of what ethics or truth do we want to tie into the technology and innovations that we create going
0: forward? I think what you're proposing, I think it's a very important, a little bit far-fetched, but I think it's pretty relevant nonetheless. And since we talked about spirituality and religion, I think it's only right for me to conclude this wormhole with some politics, since it sounds like we're hitting up all the taboo checkboxes today, so might as well hit the trifecta of this. Uh, I think uh, in terms of whether it's what Aiden talked about, who created the truth, was a truth found or created for human adaptation in this uh, civilized world, or whether what you're proposing about, we have the capability to build something, but should we? And the important question that you asked is, are the laws and is, is the moral principles that humans are used to caught up to speed with this exponential growth of technology? In some sense all that is relevant to the current political climate and I'm sure you two have seen this meme circulating on Instagram I thought it's funny it talks about Electoral College how it's flawed and broken but it also talks about how because US is so gung-ho about the Constitution and about the Constitution laws and how to respect Constitution I saw a meme he talks about wait so you're telling me this documents that was written like 400 years ago by a group of old racist white men we have to subscribe to those and as as the guiding principles of in 2020 how does that make any sense obviously parts of me find that funny and but also part of me think there's truth in that right i do think just like the 10 commandments i do think there are universal laws and universal moral principles what makes them universal i don't know i was born into them they're the ones i'm used to Uh, But, you know, that aside, you can argue that just like the Ten Commandments, don't steal, do not lie, you know, be a good person, love your neighbor. A lot of things are written in the Constitution, like the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion. I know the second one, the right to bear arms, a little bit controversial among different people with ideologies. But generally speaking, if you look at Constitution and Ten Commandments, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Maybe the circumstances have changed. Uh, like what you talked about what contains the container in your question here, like the containers of those I think are valid, but maybe the nuances of that have changed it or shifted with the ties of the time and the era that we live in. But I do think that there is a discussion that should be held to talk about the difference about like the exponential era we grew up in versus 100 years ago, because it's a very different growth rate, right? Like 10 years from now, five years from today is more advanced than 100 years past in terms of marginal growth, marginal difference, and everything in between. That came to my mind in terms of the whole political aspect. But the question you're proposing in terms of technology, I think it just comes down to ethics and philosophy and what is ethical, what is not ethical, who gets to determine the, the baseline or the standards of ethics. I don't have any of those answers, <laughs> but I do think it's a, this is a wild uh, parts of the conversation I never expected to even touch upon. And I think that's the reason why we founded this podcast is to discover more, to peer into some of the wild processes that some of the guests share in terms of you. I mean, you have a very fascinating mental map that I just don't (laughs) know too many of. And I think it's awesome. I think it creates amazing conversations. So to reel the fishing line back to the conversation a little bit, talk about, uh, I do want to ask you um, the questions that we always ask. If you, since you're about all UX product and design, I think this question is very fitting, given the context that you are also a full-time entrepreneurship teacher. If you were the designer of a mentorship program that you wish you had the access to growing up, what are some of the mentorships, tips, advices, principles that you wish to instill into this program participants?
2: I'm obsessed with LinkedIn. I think it's a fascinating idea to be able to have access and be able to see a snippet of who someone is and what they've done, um, and see where the connections are, where you might be able to learn from them. So I really appreciate how LinkedIn's used the resume idea to be able to see who this person is and make sense of what they do and what they care about. You would assume that people would work in jobs they care about, or at least that they have some interest in. So I probably could learn a lot from an engine, like straight up engineering person. But I probably wouldn't need to find them unless I was had a very specific question. However, I might be interested with someone. I've done this a lot. Like I've been interested in the book world the past couple of years, so I've looked on LinkedIn to find people in publishing world, in the publishing world, and I've been able to reach out and ask them things. So I think that's a really good basis of like pretty practical too, of um, teaching people how to find resources. And then making the system really easy to connect bullet points of topics and then in terms of internet uh, we have access to almost anything probably that we want but it's not necessarily it used to be like you know teaching people what what to know versus how to know and those different things you know or what to learn versus how to learn we're in a definitely an era of teaching people how to learn in terms of like how do you do an effective google search that is a fact based and that kind of stuff how do you fact check that's what i'm teaching my sixth graders is like giving them some tools of how to fact check as i ask them to do a research project so in that sense teaching people how to connect and how to ask questions and how to identify their questions and what they would want to learn
1: i love that and i think really important right now because when we were growing up it was the idea of how to find information right we had a five-hour lecture on how to do a bibliography correctly and all that stuff but now it's really wading through sorting through all the information and trying to figure out what's right what what is truth and how to ask questions about those things of truth and use them in an applicable way so really appreciate those advices Um, and especially with LinkedIn it's such a powerful tool that almost speaks to the overarching theme of having a vision of like where you want to go, whether that's a purpose or that overall goal of being able to notice people that you either aspire to, want to collaborate with, or even as an example of seeing what their experience looks like as a tool to ultimately allow you to make better decisions and create going forward, which I think is awesome to hear as well.
2: I think that slightly brings us to answer of truth that we've been thinking about this whole time of, um, now we're in internet where a lot of people are publishing their version of the truth and now Mm. everyone looking for truth finds those different versions. So would that mean (laughs) that truth is created? Ah! (laughs) Okay. That's all I wanted to say is that.
1: (laughs) Found on the answer. We've been stumbling through it for the whole conversation. So Kind of with that, now that truth is created, I think.
2: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Who knows?
1: Maybe. Who knows? Uh, allegedly created. Allegedly. So this is a question that we ask all of our guests. What would you encourage listeners to discover more about? We've definitely touched on a wide, wide array of topics. Hopefully they've all enjoyed listening to. We certainly have. But kind of distilling that down, what would you encourage people to discover more about in their lives?
2: I would encourage people to discover more about their lives of where their power lies um, in terms of many things um, in terms of like learning how to read terms and conditions and stuff and learning that they have the power to say no to stuff, but also push back and email companies or comment to companies and ask for a different change because it's like a consumer should thought in mind of when you're building a product. So if you have a problem with something, if you're like, yo, Snapchat has a weird policy or it's like, hey, this is, you know, and I I haven't read it in like years, so I don't know what it is right now. (laughs) Or if you're irritated with Instagram for some reason, or you watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix and you have an issue with mental health and that stuff, feel free to contact people and be a knowledgeable and empowered consumer, I guess.
1: Definitely. I'm sure LinkedIn, as you mentioned, you're very active on, but if listeners would like to connect with you or could you share some things that you're up to?
2: Yeah, um, LinkedIn's an awesome way because I have a lot of my projects represented and career stuff represented on there. Instagram's fine, but yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best way. And then if you want to reach out, it's easier for me to connect with people if you have a specific Request even if I can't fulfill it. But um, yeah, if you're like, hey, I'm curious. That also, a networking tip. Again, if you have a specific thing you, I can help you with, it's easier to make a connection. Friendships, I think, are built off of a shared something versus just random, I want to be your friend, which I've said to people before, and that was awkward. <laughs> and someone said that to me before, and it was awkward. I was like, I don't know how to move forward with this. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. So anyways, if you reach out, ask me questions or ask help from something or... Or maybe you can help me with something and let me know so we can make a connection and be friends.
0: Yeah, Can you share your full name on LinkedIn and your Instagram tag for the listeners real quickly? And we will include all the information in the show notes.
2: My LinkedIn is Paris Grayman, P-A-R-I-S, Grayman, G-R-A-M, as in Mary, and as in Nancy, N as in Nancy. Um, and then that's the same as my Instagram, Paris Grayman.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you very much for this wide-ranging conversation. We've enjoyed it thoroughly. It's been great chatting with you.
0: Yeah. You guys too? Yeah, really. Uh, like I said, this was such a unexpectedly joyful, wild ride that we had the opportunity on this Sunday to uh, partake. So I really, really appreciate nearly four hours of conversation. You know, you believed in our brand and obviously you're an incredibly busy person. So I really appreciate that. And for the listeners, I hope all of you have found something productive or enjoyable from this conversation because we found this extremely pleasant. And as always, thank you for listening. And until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And it would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in
1: the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.